Welcome to Adequate, the Sunday Company After Show, live from the Regal Beagle. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Adequate, the Sunco After Show, Episode 9. I'd like to first of all apologize. I accidentally recorded uh, over an amazing story that we're about to retell. Second chance. Again, this is Christian Xavier alongside, excuse me, alongside Adequate Daniel. And to his right, we have Ernie. More than adequate, Ernie. So, again, Ernie, I, I apologize for having you retell the story, but can you please tell us about do it, your story? Do it story? better the second time, please. <laughs> Not something we often do at improv. Can you do it again? Uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. What happened was, uh, I was at the other table, and I was about to tell a story of my experience in the food industry. Somebody said, hey, have you ever worked in the food industry? Because we had just ordered food and got food. I said, yeah, I worked at Dairy Queen as my first job. And then they... So that's the story of the story. Right. Now, let's, let's, let's hear the story. The and rest that's of the story. Barney. So this is the rest of the story. So uh, when I worked at Dairy Queen, it was my first job. I was 15 and a half years old. And uh, my, my boss at the time was kind of skirting the law, paying me less than minimum wage at the time. But I'm 15 and a half, and there was this girl there who was uh, fairly voluptuous. Is that the word? Close voluptuous, yeah. Voluptuous. I don't think there's an M in there. Voluptuous. But... She, she had a lot of lumps. Yeah, yeah. Voluptuous. <laughs> a lot of lady voluptuous. lumps. Voluptuous. She had a lot of lumps in certain places. So anyway, uh, so she would like flirt a little bit. And here's other things she would do is, is she would grab, she would say, hey, feel how how heavy my bra strap is and have me like and I'm 15 and a half and she's like having me pull on her bra straps and stuff and then and then she would go she would like grab my butt you know like as I'm walking away and stuff like that and I was like cut it out cut it out you know totally messing with me like the awkward teen Cut it out, cut it out. Very awkward teenage Extremely sort of awkward. I mean, I had, like, zero experience with women. Is this going to turn out that you lost your V-card? Is that how we're going <laughs> to... Let's see where this story yeah. goes. So anyway, so she's, like, grabbing my butt all the time. And then I thought to myself, you know, this was after weeks of this happening. I thought, I'm going to get her back. You know, I had to, like, mentally prepare myself for this. So uh, that day, it was raining, so there wasn't a lot of business. It was Dairy Queen, right? So it's raining. Nobody's around, so I thought, I'm going to grab her butt when she's walking away. So I grabbed her butt, just like both hands, as hard as I could. And then, turns out, there were a couple of customers watching through the window. Whereupon they left, and the next day they called my boss and said, Yeah, we came here yesterday, but the male employee was too busy grabbing the girl's ass. And uh, so they said, uh, Yeah, we're not going to... Need That's a anymore. total cock block, dude. I'm sorry, but they should have just, you know, gone to a different location and not complained. That girl didn't have your back in the least bit, like, when it came she, down to she it. Li- she called me just before my boss called me. She said, oh, my God, the shit has hit the fan and all that. Yeah. Oh, no. That that's very uh, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you did not lose your V card, but you did lose uh, steady employment before it was legal. I did. And the funny thing is, my sister used to work. That's how I got the job. My sister worked there too. When we found out years later that she died, both oh, of us kind of wait the girl. No, no, no. The uh, boss who oh, was really oh. mean to everybody. Oh. Um, somebody said, "Oh, Mrs. Culp died," and both of us kind of just chuckled. We were together when we found out. At that point, <laughs> you're like, so "Let's go back to Dairy Queen." <laughs> And celebrate. <laughs> all right, all right. Bring that backside over to me. Let's celebrate. <laughs> well, that is definitely an interesting way to get fired. Um, I luckily have not been fired that way at all, so I'm good. I'm good. What about you, Dan? Have you ever been fired for such bizarre behavior? 
bizarre behavior. I've been accused of doing bizarre things at work, which you know you could probably imagine would be consistent with my everyday lifestyle. But I've not been actually terminated for something crazy, which thank thank goodness I am a master. I'm an expert in disguise and like at, at keeping my it clean. Tracks. Yeah, good, good. So I've not been discovered as the road pooper at work, and uh, I hope it. Are you I saying hope, you are the road pooper then? I, I'm, listen, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not or I am. <laughs> so I'm for those listening, that I've not been discovered as the road pooper yet. There are a lot of issues going on in a certain restroom at a certain employer, uh, who basically ends up with a mess to clean on a regular basis, and the question of who that road pooper is has come up repeatedly at Dan's office. So to this day, Dan is consistently taking before and after pictures of, um, of evidence. Of evidence. We'll just say that yeah. to not get graphic. So so far, it's been uh, it's been Dan proving himself to be a worthwhile employee. I would say. Speaking of uh, poop, we did some improv tonight. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it wasn't shit. So it was good. Yeah. Good. So tonight's show. Come on, guys. We for those listening, thirty seconds before our actual start time at 7.30, we were all convinced we were not going to have a show. Half because of us weren't even, like, suited up. Yeah, we weren't even dressed for the show, and I'll tell you why. We had zero tickets sold, and we had two comps sitting down. Realistically, they would have been fine not seeing a show if that happened to be the call. But we had no anticipation of doing a show whatsoever, to the point where we were joking about how we were going to tell those two lovely individuals when the show got canceled how we were going to tell them that exactly. Now, Sharon was walking up to the to the house booth to, to give me the axe and saw the line of people and decided to turn right around. Yeah, so it was a line of like five or six people ready to pay to watch a show. And thank goodness they did because within three minutes, everyone got dressed. Our warm-up consisted of... Three, two, one, countdown with the right arm, left arm, right leg, left leg, shake it up, two, one. It was awesome. Quick, no one got the jitters because we were all convinced we weren't doing a show. We got on stage tonight and killed it. For such a small crowd, the energy was through the roof. It was It was a pretty, I would say that, just uh, watching the show for what it was and eliminating what would be audience reaction. It, it was pretty good quality show. There was definitely some some nice moments there. Uh, a couple things that I saw just you know watching from the sidelines in house. Man, I the more I see Alec do space work, the more I love the way he does space work. Yeah, he's great. It's intriguing, even when it was you know completely misleading in Chain Murder. He's interesting to watch do space work. I found that kind of a well. I would say his space work. You're right. Is amazing. But you add that to his expressions in his face, (laughs) and that just takes that value through the roof. I mean, that guy does express facial expressions like nobody's business. Like he will specifically make you laugh when you're in a scene with him simply by looking at you a certain way. It's amazing. I love that guy. The other thing that we did pick up on today, and during practice, we, we practiced a little bit of this, is uh, a foreign movie, a game that we don't do very often. And we struggled very much during practice today. Really hit or miss in practice. Yeah, it, sure. was, it was an hour straight of doing foreign movie. We did it twice per group, and it was very much notes that we took away. We need to fix this. We need to think about that. We need to make sure that they know each other. They're not strangers. They have to have somewhere they're going. We need to make the story not go off the rails. It was... 
it was definitely a lot of notes, and I think it. We took that to heart tonight. Yeah, we, we spent a good thirty minutes workshopping that, which is great. I think it's, it's important to do that with the short form games. No, Ernie, you had a great moment. My God, one of the best uh, moments of the night uh, in foreign movie uh, when you took a short reaction from Joe. It was like a there's good bit of that, and turned it into a, a dissertation about a Bahama visit and meeting people on a raft and learning something from them. It turned into your Dairy Queen story, you know, in, in a monologue, and the audience was going bananas. You know, and, and all eight people were rolling over. And then what, what I was noticing is you could tell that they thought I was about to stop, and I kept going. So every every small pause of, like, half a second, they're like, all right, turn to Afton. Now he's done. Yeah, now he's done. Turn to Afton. And then you'd keep going, and Joe would even kind of like hesitate, turn back around, like, what else is next? And it just kept going to the point where that laughter completely crescendoed. It was awesome. Turnover to Afton. I think we got one final line in after that, and that just—I mean—couldn't even end it really there. I it mean, yeah, thinking about that—that that was probably the highest moment of that scene. It probably could have just been cut right there, but there were a couple nice uh, additions afterwards. Um, it was—it it seemed to be our, one of our best ones of the day, including practice. I would say, absolutely. Yeah, it was cool because it seemed like the scene was actually moving forward, just like. Uh, when we were doing uh, I Can I Do Better. Oh, yeah, I Can Do Better. Yeah, so tonight's I Can Do Better was very different than what we're used to. Right? Usually we come in with I Can Do Better and it goes off the rails, we get obnoxious, and we start throwing in things that aren't based in reality. Whereas today, although some of the characters were above, over the top, you know, they were still grounded. There was still some sort of reality to the relationship between the characters. The bar owner, bartender, knew the two characters that were sitting at the bar. He even knew the girlfriend who was off stage, off scene, to the point where he would call her by first name when she called into the bar. Everybody knew each other. And it was something that you don't typically see in, and I can do better, is four players performing on stage. The, the only thing I would say with that, and, and maybe you guys you know, um, can give a yay or nay on this, I sometimes feel like those types of games, you know, including I Object, where you're kind of calling players out and, and substituting them, at some point I feel like those need to either disintegrate or heighten at some point, where either you're building and the pace increases or the relations between characters disintegrate and become a bit more personally attacking. And, and, those, and, and, and the, I think the pacing was good in that game tonight, but it was consistent, I felt like, throughout. And it was the same pace and sort of <clears throat> tonality from start to finish. What do you guys think about that? I, I wholeheartedly agree, and I think that one of the things that we do very frequently in that personal attack mode is to attack the player, not the character, and that's more of an inside joke type of... Not the team inside joke. Those guys are awesome, but more of but it is the general... Um, what you would call an inside joke where a group of people know what they're talking about. I can it, see that on I object, but uh, for I can do better, isn't it supposed to be calling out things in the scene? It, it, it is, you think but at the same time, personal, we, can, we, we have seen it in the past where they say, oh, I can do better. Why? Because unlike him, I can actually pull this one accent off, or unlike oh, her, right. I actually look the part, or this or that. Something along those lines. Or you could say, yeah, something like... Um, uh, Ernie is playing that woman misogynistically, you know, or in like right. making a direct jab right, at right. the way someone is performing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what we did today was definitely not that approach. What we did was we continued to heighten the scene. And huge props to Afton for coming in as the fourth player. Huge props to Colby for coming in as the third player. Not something that we do with this game very frequently either. I 
think it was very much heightening in the right way. And the only bizarre part was Colby objecting and coming in as a bartender after objecting. He could have easily come in as a uh, third player without objecting. But I think his instincts were on point. Afton's were on point. Uh, Alex were on point. Jessica's act. Uh, well, I, I think that when you bring in more characters in that game, it, all it does is make for more opportunities, too. If you think about it, if you only have two characters in... Uh, I can do better. You're only looking at two opportunities to interject and change the scene and, and switch around. But if you have four, yeah, you've got like four people to pick on. You've, yeah. you've doubled your chances. We love options, and that's yeah. what that gave us. So I think it was a great, great execution on that tonight. Now, the set changed at the last minute, uh, which uh, audible interesting, yeah. You know, week one of football, they throw audibles in football. They threw us an audible tonight. We were a little fast on the pacing of the show overall. And because we had such abundant time, Sharon came down, tapped on the shoulder of Keely, who was hosting tonight, and let her know, hey, let's go ahead and throw in another game. But you know what's, what's interesting is before the show even started, they eliminated the long form. So yes. it was all short form all the way through, which was the planned uh, show anyway. Uh, but it ended up being a little bit short. Now, uh, we were talking about this uh, on the way over. Uh, um, and, you know, my thought is, and, and what do you guys think about this? Uh, I say, you know, even though we want to cater to the audience, we want to make sure the audience has a good time. Don't we still want to get that repetition in? Don't we still want to for the long see form? that long form? I think we want to see it, but I think my thing is always that the, the audience has to be able to enjoy it, and they have to understand it. Because yeah. for all up to that point, there's some gimmick or whatever, and there's no gimmick in the long form, so most of the time they're like, what the hell is this? I think the long so form is... To explain it a little bit It's more, a question of a couple of things. One, the size of the audience. Two, the energy of the audience. And three, their expectations. That's, that's really what drives whether or not long form will be successful. Now, what I, in my humble opinion, not that this is a way that things would go, is something that we had done a long time ago while Chris was still directing before you guys were part of the team. What we would do is one week a month, like the last week of a month, we would have a long form show. Every the other whole show? Uh, yeah, the whole show was long form. We did two. I think we did two long forms, if I remember correctly. And then the rest of the time was all short form games. And I think tonight was a happy or a joyous or relaxing break, if you will, for me, in terms of having to do some sort of long form where I know can get confusing for people. So it was it was definitely a well, a Christian. Long getting break. back to that, how how did you feel like the explanation of long form was the audience? Maybe there's some things that we can take from that period of time and bring it to where we better explain long form to the audience and well, I think, description. I think for that one, it started by specifically saying tonight's show, tonight's performance is specifically long form. We're used to seeing short form games. Now we're going to do a long form game. It's not a gimmick based game. It's scene based relationships and expanding on it, etc. Something along those lines is what we used to do. And for a long time, and I think we're trying to get back to that, is during these shows where we have short and long form, right in that transition period or that transition explanation, we call it out. We've been doing short form. 
this next game is long form, this is what that means for you, the audience. I think this we need to expect. even interrupt in the middle of long form. Like if we do TED Talks, for instance, right after the TED Talk, somebody then stands in the middle of the stage and like, okay, now based on that, we're going to do scenes and remind uh, them. I that's don't know. too much? I think, I think that's, that's too much. Yeah. I think maybe there's a certain... The audience, I don't think the audience remembers. I really don't. Well, uh, it, but it's kind of nice to have that energy, right? When a TED Talk closes and just go right into scenes, you know, you've kind of got that applause going with, you know, between. It's hard to, like, reinvigorate the audience, I feel like. But maybe before TED Talks, you take a moment and you say something to the tune of, how many people have seen Saturday Night Live? Great, that's sketch comedy. What we're going to be doing in front of you is live sketch comedy. We're going to be coming up with the ideas for sketches right before you. I feel like people understand SNL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can map it. Yeah, that makes sense. We can map it to that probably. Now, the other thing we can do is at the beginning of the explanation say, this is going to be an idea generator. From there, we'll do scenes. We don't typically do that. We're like, oh, we're going to see this, and then they might get inspired. But we don't really fully make sure that the audience understands. Like, this is what we're drawing from. In fact, we can, that. we can say, hey, up to this point, you guys, the audience, have been giving all the suggestions. But now, we're going to use the TED Talks to give us those suggestions. And those TED Talks are based off of your suggestion. This will allow us to go a little bit further in what we explore for scenes. Right. Now, we might also just need to really tighten up our, our explanation for a montage. Because half of our games are, are idea generators plus montage, right? Uh, whether that be docu-montage or Armando or whatever the case is, that's what we're really doing. Um, although we're a little liberal with our interpretation of Armando, I feel. But still, I mean, it is very much an a, you know, Armando monologue to montage scene work. There are probably some things that we can do also to tighten that gap once we start scenes. So, you know, if the Armando is about uh, Dairy Queen and I worked at Dairy Queen and I got fired for grabbing someone's butt, that very first scene almost needs to be some Like a level, literal transformation. Yeah, almost like a recreation. And then everything else is kind of... Then they'll say, okay, I get I it. I see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, this is, yeah, that makes so, and what happened after that if we're going to continue a storyline or... What other things are similar to that if we're going to continue the premise? What's in our universe? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the first thing, yeah, I think that's a great idea. How do we arrange that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and now, that, to be fair to all those listening, that's not our call. We'd have to talk to our director to see whether or not he or she, whoever is the director that week or whoever ends up being the director, that we want to continue those conversations around how do we approach every game. And that's one of those questions for that one. I kind of feel like having that first scene be a literal recreation, too. Uh, it's further allowing the rest of the players to adapt premises, too. You know, well, I feel like that's if, true. If you're waiting on sidelines and you're kind of seeing that story come to life, it's seeing some variants on it. You're, you're you're getting a lot more ability to go to see. You can kind of continue it and, and arc it around. I and, agree. Uh, and... It also allows the audience to get invested in the idea of watching some scenes. Yeah. I think they, they see the immediate translation, and then they come in and fully get involved with it. So I think it's, it's pretty awesome, in my opinion. Yeah. One of the things I was going to say, to keep the energy up tonight, uh, one of the main uh, keys of that was Keely, I thought. She was Keely was impeccable tonight, i got to say. So I'm trying to really, get her over here. Let me flag her up. There's a. It's been a very interesting level of energy in terms of the hosting tonight. I mean, if it weren't for Keely and her impeccable approach to everything, I don't think we would have been as successful. 
And speaking of Keely, Keely has joined us at the table for a brief moment, a brief word. Oh, hey. How's it going, Keely? That was a very I'm brief great. word. Thank you. How are you guys? We're doing awesome, Keely. It's great to hear from you. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. As always, you rock. And tonight's hosting was through the roof. Thanks. Uh, I think you brought the energy to the crowd, and, and we've talked about this before, but a small crowd is tough, and you, you were able to reel them in like a bunch of second graders. Thank you. I've gotten a lot of experience in the past few weeks in that, so I appreciate it. Especially Joe. I felt like you really kept Joe in line tonight. I know I do he was that kinda, often. He was kind of going off the rails. He, he had some swear words tonight. Seriously, what, what the heck was up with that? Yeah. yeah, you know, so, he's, he's a tough beast to reel in, but I do, I do what I can. Good, you know? good. So, in terms of tonight's interesting uh, events, have you ever really seen a two brown bag show? No. No. Eight years at NCT, and I don't think I've ever seen two brown bags in a show. Now, that could be due to a few things. As a ref or host, I don't always call brown bags. If it doesn't seem like the audience picked up on it or they don't really want it or it's gonna like really like deteriorate like a scene that's going really well but the audience like wanted the brown bag and I think it seems like a sham if we don't follow through with what they're expecting you know I agree you know what's interesting about both they they kind of occurred in the same vein so both brown bags tonight were like reaction out of scene out of game reaction curse words which means like uh, you know what, what does that mean does that mean that the, the player is just is really invested uh, in the game and it is kind of like a natural authentic response really uh, it, it would be a different thing if it was in like a within a scene right. and a swear word was totally that would be a little bit more premeditated right in a way, you know? totally so it was kind of funny and, and it, it did feel authentic and genuine not like a forced curse word in, in the middle of a you know a montage or something the funny thing is I think one of the few times I've been brown bagged was also during Dirty Hand Randy but it was like a sold out 100 person show and all all of my family was there. <laughs> and I think I repeated a word and I said, ah, oh, and then a word that starts with F. It's unfortunate that oh, fudge buckets. had to yeah. go through something like that, something so traumatizing. Yes. Well, I think the only traumatizing thing was I looked out into the audience and immediately made eye contact with my father oh, and immediately felt the shame of... What, what are we talking? Did you drop an F-bomb? I did. And I think it was in college team, too. Oh, so gosh. that was back before I was like very comfortable like swearing in front of my parents because I didn't live at home during college, you know, so. When you were in a household growing up where swearing was, you get the money jar. You know, swearing. my household was really interesting because the most offensive word we could say that my parents absolutely never, ever accepted was shut up. It was really? the disrespect that was, like, way more offensive than an actual cuss word. And I think at the end of college, my parents kind of started opening up and, like, really being who they were and, like, let a few cuss words slide. Not that my parents ever, like, they're not people that cuss all the time. But to this day, if I ever tell my brother in front of my parents, shut up, in a serious tone, because, you know, if it's like, oh, shut up or whatever, I, I even feel comfortable saying that as a joke because it just was so Whoa. serious in my childhood. So what would be the ramifications, just out of curiosity, of something to that? The Jewish guilt. Oh, boy. Like, laid on no. thick with like, the, uh, with, like, the look, and it just was, like, 
You know, it was like, it's the shame. I mean, any any child that feels shame, that's like enough punishment in itself, you know? And, and I, I totally understand. So we have a close family friend whose kids were not allowed to say the words hate or stupid because those were considered like super taboo, super right. bad. Anything beyond that was just unheard of. And it was, it's definitely, they, they're not Jewish, but I can totally see the Jewish guilt oh, yeah. right there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, unfortunate. it's making kids be good humans and have good manners. And I totally like understand that and stand behind that with my parents as well. And I think cuss words, like for the sake of like, oh shit or whatever, have become so ingrained in our culture that it's lost the shock factor. Like you hear people say in the grocery store, the F-bomb in front of kids and it just like rolls off their ears versus when I was a kid, if anyone were to say the F-bomb in front oh. of me, it was like, whoa. But here's a question though. I mean, Serious. Major, yeah. Language evolves, right? So we've got curse words now that a hundred years from now are not going to be curse words. Why? Because they are so ingrained in our in our vernacular. And even tonight, there was a possibility of a third brown bag that I specifically approached with, and I, I specifically called it out as a potential brown bag, and I didn't use the word ass a s s. It's technically a donkey. So it's not, I mean, it's, I, I would have, in the context of it, would have been using it appropriately for what it is in the dictionary. Now, See, the, Sim- the Simpsons say ass, don't they? They say ass, do they say, they don't drop bees, do they? They have once, and that was Bart Simpson using it appropriately. Uh, dictionary. About a female dog? Yeah, about a female, female dog. dog yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's very much gray area in what can be considered a curse word or, or brown bag in our context of what we're saying. And it's interesting how that's changed because I think calling somebody a bitch these days is like more impactful than like dropping an F-bomb. Because I think F-bombs have just become like an exclamatory word, like a oh, fuck, you know, versus yeah. like, wow, she's a bitch. That's like, whoa. When you're heavy. really calling someone a bitch. I, yeah. I feel like it had its moment though. Like think like 10 years ago bitch in rap songs was like saying the and mm-hmm. it you know and, and there was like a window where you had to drop those bees mm-hmm. and, and I think there's a, there's been a huge shift even in rap there's a couple of specific major rappers that have said I'm never gonna use the word bitch again I think yeah. Jay-Z had a song about it was like, I'll never say that word again Tupac did that too like they wanted to move away from that because they recognized the negative impact that it was having in just normalizing that word and we have to evolve with that as well. I think overall as performers, as, as people that work in some sort of entertainment industry that deals with general audiences that are both kids and adults, we have to figure out. I'd be out. curious if the unrated show, what the frequency of, of words used is in the unrated show. So the unrated show is I see a different. lot of C-bombs. I see, I, I've heard C-bombs, F-bombs, S-bombs. I think it's more of the inappropriate content than the words. And that's why I think MCT, hopefully I'm not speaking too much on behalf of the whole theater, but I think that's why they're really adamant about just the main stage cast doing an unrated show because it loses the humor when you just say fuck shit bitch all the time in the show but to really craft it into x-rated content for an unrated show that's what makes it funny it's a skill set that's very difficult to pin down and i've seen i don't know a dozen or so unrated shows and it's very much it's interesting in how they approach it every time. I mean, Sasha in an unrated show is insanely talented. Uh, Chris in an unrated show is insanely talented. 
Matt in an unrated like everybody that's there there's a reason why they're allowed to do the unrated shows and I feel like a lot of us would go up there and like you said be inappropriate with the language but there's no substance to what oh, we're doing oh my god are you kidding for us uh, Suncos we'd be like kids in a candy store in an unrated yeah. show we'd be going bonkers yeah and I, I and I think we release that energy during practice sometimes sometimes yeah sometimes alright friends I'm gonna go finish my sandwich all right, Keely, thanks thank for you having very me much on. for stepping in your sandwich. Goodbye, podcast world. Goodbye. So that was Keely. It was totally amazeballs to have her join the actual podcast. And now we've got Mr. Voice, the one, the only, Victor, joining us on the podcast. How's it going, Victor? Okay. Oh, it's terrible. doing. It's it's going okay. Oh it's going God. okay. All right, good. Yeah. Good. How can we make your life better? I don't think you can. Not nothing against your oh. guys' uh, okay. skill at life altering uh, altering. You know, initiatives. But I think my life's doing pretty awesomely. I don't know if it could get any better. Oh, well, life's good. Highlights of the show tonight. Huh? Highlights of the show tonight. Uh. Well, there were two. Uh, so, from a voice standpoint, um, it took me a while to find the brown bag, but I had not pressed that before. There's a B. There was two. I know what. I was on the wrong rack. And it doesn't matter. Um, I was happy that I was able to. Um, so the, I like voicing the most where there's you get a lot of involvement in the show, like you can help set the direction, um, like especially like in a singing game or if there's a genre, um, you can add sound effects type thing in a genre type uh, thing scene. But I like uh, tonight I was able to put in the, the rap air horn, the Jamaican dancehall uh, air horn. I was able to do the dramatic chickmunk, just adding random stuff to the show and like changing the lights up. Uh, I love it when you surprise the players with something like that, and yeah. you know the reaction that you get. It's, it's pretty funny to see everyone on stage. Well, yeah, but the big thing is like, um, even though you're up and you're isolated and you don't get much like love, you don't get any stage time per se from the audience. Like, you're still on the team. You're still trying to make the show the best show possible because you're you're basically there for the guys doing the real work, um, and it's. I think it's an important job. So I would say that we are doing the real work as performers, but you're doing the more important work as the voice along with the host. You two are, if not just as important, ever more so important to keep the energy of the show going and all those additional items of flavor that you two add to every show is just as important. Yeah, as and that's why I like it. Um, and I consider it a super important job because um, you can really mess it up I mean, it has been done, and... Uh, Thank you for calling me out. <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying, it, like, there is a potential. Like, I, I can't think of any one of us who has messed it up. The potential with all the moving parts up there, you can really mess it up. And uh, But the thing is, when you do your job, nobody knows you exist, and that's what should happen. Like, everyone's just like, all right, there was cool, there was music in between stuff, and it was it flowed well. If they don't notice you, that's almost better, because... Have you ever come into... Uh, are, are you looking for an opportunity to... Uh, engage with the team via the mic at some point as well. I've always like had an interest in trying to interject in that way, but I know it needs to be like a one in fifty time that you would do that. You know what I mean? It took a lot of self control to not um, explain what um, an ornithologist is, because <laughs> everyone who knows what an ornithologist is, uh, it was just me and that guy in the audience. That was it. 
uh, nobody else knew, and I really wanted to just get it like, well, an ornithologist is one who studies birds. Yeah. And um, the only the only times I've seen the the, the booth, uh, the voice in the sky, come into a scene, uh, I saw Matt and Richie uh, in a scene where essentially Matt was God from above and giving Richie orders on what he needed to do next, and he was he was kind of that that divine spirit that was guiding Richie in the scene, which I thought was really awesome, and it, it played so well. I mean, you can just imagine Richie on the receiving end of that. Uh, it, was, it was really funny. Richie even played uh, uh, some interesting notes in that where he, he said, oh, oh, God, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, how are the kids? Uh, wife doing it was great? And he had this, like, funny banter with Matt, which was amazing. Uh, and then I, I've seen also uh, Voice in the Head. Like where you're playing voice in the head from the sky, and that that can play well too. But I, it, I'm just like itching to see that, like see us like engage in that. Like, I think it's so fun, but so hard to like bring that and and and, and have the balls to like turn that mic up and, and jump in there. You know? Yeah, I think it's a uh, the, the major thing that I take away from it is just that so you're still on the team, even though you're not uh, out there. Um, you can still really help the team out just just by doing a little stuff. <laughs> and it's little things that shouldn't get credit, and they just move the show along. And I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being our voice tonight, dude. You were awesome. No problem. It's Honestly, it's fun every time. And Speaking of little things, you mentioned little things. Doing the little things. Let's talk about a little person uh, that uh, we are going into the week of Tim. This is the week of Tim. Uh, culminating in Tim's final show next week. For clarification to those listening, Tim is not actually a little person. He happens. <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's be clear. That was for dramatic effect. Yeah, uh, he is he is an uh, average height individual, if not a little above average. He is awesome, but he's a person that we will keep in our pockets, hold him close and near as we go on stage, and we bid him adieu onto greater adventures on main stage. So maybe we take a moment uh, and. Maybe talk about some things uh, from Tim's performances that uh, we can take from and learn from, uh, or maybe some really uh, interesting or fun moments from performing with Tim on stage uh, as tribute. So, to I, the big fall. I, for me, Tim's approach to characters is always one that is explosive in a couple of different ways. One, he can go from zero to sixty in a flip of a hat or the drop of a hat, flip yeah. of a coin, whatever you want to call it, and really bring characters to life that are fun and interesting to watch but hilarious to see and that for me is one of the biggest things that I've seen him do and it, and it still impacts me to this day yeah you know I, I had an interesting uh, moment with Tim uh, that like stayed with me for a long time even though he would say it was super small and mundane uh, we were both off stage uh, we were stage left uh, and I did a a, what is it? A spin around uh, edit? What's, what's oh, uh, revolving, revolving door. door. I did that one, and uh, I essentially set up uh, that Ernie was Romeo, uh, as in the scene he had presented poison to the person he was on a date with. I turned around Sarah and I said, uh, Sarah. I called her Sarah. I set you up with this guy. He's going to try and poison you. Don't fall in the trap. And I, I put her back in the scene. And then I walked away going, like, literally pulling out my hair going, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Why didn't I call her Juliet? 
what the hell is wrong with me? What an idiot. And I was literally going through this mini meltdown off stage. Tim grabbed me on the shoulder and he, and he said, dude, what's the matter with you? You're fine. You, you can't screw up. There's nothing you can do that screw up. It's like, there's not a script for this, bro. Yeah. And that's all he literally needed to say. And like, I, I was able to pull myself together. And I kind of thought about that later. And thinking about it for a long time, I've kind of come to the realization that um, you can take your own, like, I'm not going to call them shortcomings, but like your own characteristics and your own traits and those mistakes, you can turn those mistakes like that into gold. Imagine if I had, in that same context, spun that person around and set up another, a number of people with Romeo and finally settling on Juliet or someone in the team finally is Juliet in that scene and we run an entire narrative. And I, I thought about that later, like, man, I just needed, I needed to like keep my head together to like see the bigger picture. Yeah. You know? and so that was a, that was something where, you know that I always think about the big lesson I learned from Tim in an indirect way, I'd say. Well, it's still an important lesson. Yeah. I just think uh, you know it's upsetting that uh, he's leaving. <laughs> I know, right? Because Gosh. I really enjoy uh, having fun with him and. It's going to be really tough for Al and I to carry on as the most attractive bald members of the company now. I mean, he was really holding it down with us. We had a good trio of uh, hairless uh, men. Who's losing there? Who's who's soon to join? We don't talk about that. Uh, Well, I mean, if, if you take my pattern, by that I mean my hairline, as any indication, a couple years from now, I will be the next of the trio. Of the sun, so there is hope, Nick. I mean, there is oh, hope. No, no, I'm fine with the. I'm, I mean, Just I'm duo? fine with my personally uh, trying the duo uh, mode, but um, uh, it'll be tough. But I think Al can carry the torch. He's a, see, yeah. see, when they're on stage, they can reflect on it. I mean, literally reflect <laughs> on it. Oh, boom! <laughs> boom! There's the dynamite. I get it. I get it. Yeah, nice little. Uh, silent reaction means my joke was was very much not good. Uh, good to but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean we uh, we wish the Bone Man well. Yeah, um, we miss, we're gonna miss that guy. Yeah, uh, fun playing with him. But you know we've uh, we've we're always gonna be supporting him. We're gonna be his his dudes in the corner and ladies in the corner, and can't wait to see what he does at the next level. Totally. It's going to be awesome. Super, Actually, super soaked. I cannot wait uh, to see man. him on main stage. It's going to be great. In any case, everyone, thank you for joining us at Adequate, the Sunco After Show. It is time to call it a night. In our new tradition of taking an evening off for a player's last show with radio the silence. team, we are going to have radio silence next week, as we had radio silence last week for Lisa's last show. We will see you all in two weeks for episode 10 of Sunco, the after show. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be yet another evening of fantastic fun. Thanks again for joining us. This is Christian Xavier and Daniel Redman signing off. All right, everyone. Take care. This has been Adequate, the Sunday Company After Show, live from the Regal Beagle. Thanks for listening.